Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Would you stand with me this morning? Um, we continue in our series on identity. I've really enjoyed this series. Um, I'm excited. I've heard some great things about what God is doing in many of our lives. And so we're just praying and believing that he's going to continue in doing that today. Um, over the last two weeks, we've really wrestled with two really important topics in regards to identity. Two weeks ago, we looked at broken identity. We looked at like the things that have happened that either has been done to us or that we have done to others that has shattered certain aspects of who we are. But last week, we looked at how identity is redeemed in Christ, that because of who we are in Christ, what was impossible for us is possible with God. And today, we're going to look at your unique identity. I don't know if you know this about yourself, at least I hope that you do that you have been uniquely wired, created, and placed at the time, the place, the city, the family, the work, the group of friends that you have. None of it is coincidence or by accident. God, in his great sovereignty and wisdom, has placed you there to be used for such a time as this. I don't know if you know that, but God has uniquely wired and created you to make an impact. That's what it says. You are his masterpiece to do what? to do the good things, the good works that he planned for you long ago. So how do we lean into it? That's what we're going to look at today. So would you join me in praying as we ask God, would you take our lives, would you shape them by your word? Lord, we come before you. And we realize that the enemy of our soul, for many of us, for since the moment we breathed our first breath, has tried to get us out of the game. He's tried to convince us of lies. Lord, he has taken the truth of our circumstance, our situation, and even the truth of the sin that we have committed. And he has tried to spin it into a web that says we can never be used by you or that we're not good enough or we're not worthy enough. All along the way, getting us to focus on ourselves rather than the spotless, perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, may we find our identity in you today, I pray. Would you shape us? Would you mold us? We ask in your precious and most holy name. Amen. 
I want you to think with me for just a moment about actually baking a cake, okay? Um, my wife watches a lot of cooking shows, so um, it's not good for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's late at night, and you're just watching it, and you're like, I think I could eat that, like, right now. <laughs> Next thing you know, there's, like, a little Debbie in hand, and you're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> um, but what blows my mind about it is as I'm watching them oftentimes bake things, the things that kind of go into it. For our family, one of the things that we have developed, we, we found this. It's, like, the cheapest box recipe from the store, but it's, like, this extra fudge, double chocolate cake that's like super moist that like I, I eat the first bite of it and I like go straight into the doxology. Praise God from whom all, you know, it's like instantaneous just worship comes from me. <laughs> like, but, but I, I do the, like I do the double, like uh, not just like the one little thing of icing, but you get two of them and so then you, you make it incredibly unhealthy. But anyways, all that to say, the, the reason I bring it up is what is astounding when you really think through it, when you are baking a cake, there is elements that go into it that on their own would taste terrible. When you think of eating a cake, if I were to walk up to you and go, hey, pour out your hand and I just dump some baking soda into it and I'm like, take a bite, you'd be like, no, right? <laughs> now, other elements to it as well. Think about like in most cakes, they use salt. You don't think about it. Like, no one, like, takes, at least, I hope, if you're in this room and it's you, we can talk afterwards. But no one takes their piece of cake, puts it on their plate, and then grabs, like, a salt shaker, and it's, right? No. But salt goes into it. Boiling water. No one's like, you know what, let me just take a glass of boiling water right now. And each part of these elements that, like, you wouldn't necessarily kind of want individually on their own, when you mix them together in the process, they become part of what is the finished product. And can I tell you something? Parts of that don't necessarily taste very good on their own, but when they're combined, the overall, it becomes a vital ingredient. There are parts of your life, your unique identity, that if you pull it from the overall totality of who you are, you're going to go, I wish that would have never happened to me. I wish I would have never had to gone through that. I wish, right, fill in the blank. But the reality is, is that God, he's creating a masterpiece. And even the parts that don't necessarily taste that great or seem that great on their own, if we will but trust it into his perfect hands, he can create something really, really good out of it. Now, in this process, as we've been talking through identity and thinking of this, one of the things I want you to realize is this, is, you know, we place it, and I will never back away from this, in an extreme emphasis on the fact that it is all God, and he is good, and his sovereignty, and his grace, and his goodness, he is all powerful, he's amazing. And, and we do that, and we don't want to ever become people that just sit here and focus on ourselves and me, my, mine, my wants and my wants. But can I just tell you something? Also, along with that, we have to realize you are incredibly unique. There is no one who has ever been created like you, and there never will be. When God created you, he did something with a plan and with a purpose, and he placed things in your life, things that he intended to be there that he wants to take and he wants to use for his goodness. You know, we need to understand this. Listen, there is not a single person that is in this room that's a mistake. 
I don't care what your parents told you. I don't care what the origins <laughs> I don't care about the origins that surround her. I'm being serious here. There's not a single person in this room that was ever a mistake. You were in the mind of God from the moment of creation. Now listen, our society doesn't preach that though, does it? What has happened in your life to this point, listen to me, it is not lost on God, nor is it unredeemable. If you will but come to Christ, your life will be declared the same as every other person, that you are his masterpiece. Now, what's really interesting is that, that word there, it's translated a bunch of different ways, and depending on what version you're looking at. Some say handiwork, some say workmanship, some say masterpiece. And the reason that it's translated in so many different ways is it's when the, the translators get to that Greek word, the Greek word is poema. And it's where we actually get the word poem from. And when you start thinking about that, suddenly there's an incredible beauty that comes into the midst of this. You're his, like, work of art that is intended to display and reveal immense beauty. You're his masterpiece, his creation, his handiwork. You're his divine poem to this world. Now, we talked week one, though, that like when we start thinking about identity, like there's three different views that can come into that. We can either, our current society says we need to look inside ourselves, so we find ourselves by looking at ourselves, and we saw week one how badly that is, right? Right, because there's desires in you that are not good. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, and how many of you we said also realize that there's also always competing desires within you, Right? I said it from week one. I want to lose weight. I want a donut. Both those desires are there, and they compete with each other. There's issues, right? So even within our own heart, if we're trying to find who we are, there's a problem. Our culture says start by looking in, then by looking out, and then finally by looking up. But God's word challenges us that we start by looking up, and we end by looking in. So today, though, we are at that part where we're looking in to see what has God placed there? What has he put inside us? And so here's the key awareness, number one, that we need to grab hold of. Number one, according to what it says here in Ephesians, you are not an accident. And awareness number two, you were created with a purpose. Can I tell you something that the vast majority of American Christians have bought into an immense lie? That ministry is for like paid professionals. It's a great plan of the enemy where he's like, hey, just let, let those other people do it, wherever those other people are, <laughs> right? And, and you just sit on the sidelines. You just kind of do your thing. Like, look, if, if they knew your past, if they knew what you've done, if they knew where you'd been, then they wouldn't want you on the team. Really? Because you should go to look at the team you think's on the team, <laughs> right? Go throughout scripture. Go see who's on the team. It's full of miscreants. It's full of people with baggage. It's full of people who've got serious issues that's gone on in their life. But God has redeemed them. He's restored them. And he has set them free. And the truth of the matter is, is that today, as you're looking at this, there is, you were designed with a plan and a purpose. There is people that God has intentionally placed in your life that you might be the only person who can ever reach them. You're not in your home, 
in your work, in your family, at your job. You're not with your group of friends. You're not with that long list of Facebook friends by accident. It's all been placed there because God designed you with a purpose. But to look in to this vital aspect of our identity, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to ask God to show and to reveal to us what he has placed inside us to reveal his goodness and his glory. So I want us to, um, let's think of this with me. I want you to think about what uniquely and specifically makes up your uniqueness. Number one, it's defining moments. You are who you are because of certain moments in your life. There's moments that have shaped you, both good ones and bad ones. There's things that have happened to you that are part of your story. Listen, how many of you know there's no time machine? Some of us are like, I'd pay money though, (laughs) right? There's There's no rewriting the script, no rewinding the button and changing things. You are who you are through some of the defining moments that have happened to your life. Listen, there's no one in the entire history of the universe who has ever been through what you've been through and survived what you've survived. There's also periods of stretching. Anybody ever been there? Where it just feels like you're just being stretched, but in the midst of that stretching, there's also growth that has taken place that you can't even imagine. There's also just your makeup, your passions, your values, your desires, the gifts God's placed in you. But it all really matters into what have you intentionally stepped into and allowed to grow in the presence of the Holy Spirit, what God has placed in you. So let's start by going back to Moses. Let's see this from his own life. This is from Exodus chapter 3, and it says, Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard the cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a lot of ites, now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Watch this. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, The question every single one of us say, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? See, we see all those things in Moses' life as well. There's brokenness and regret in his past. He's made a mistake. He's murdered an Egyptian. He buried his body in the sand, and then it was uncovered, and he went running for a time, and he ran deep into the wilderness. So then we've got 40 years of stretching, right? We talked about those moments of stretch. There's 40 years where he's on the run in the wilderness, and he's taking care of sheep, and he's literally just sitting there, and he's being stretched in the midst of that. Then there's also the unique things that God has placed into his life before he was even born. Things that he positioned, places that he had placed Moses, the time, the place, the people, the languages that he knew. So the question is this, is what is God redeeming? Right? What's the uniqueness of your own personal story? Ephesians said it this way, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. 
He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desire and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Listen, if, if we're going to talk about our identity, we have to address, as we've done in previous weeks, those defining moments. There's things that have been done to you or that you have done that are part of your past that make up the uniqueness of who you are. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of you have been through inexplicable evil that some people don't even know about you. There's things that happened to you when you were a child that like no one has any clue about that define and make you feel like you're defined even to this point today. It's a, it's a very real part of your story. Think about with me some of the people, what about Joseph? You think about some of Joseph's defining moments? <laughs> Sold into slavery, accused of rape, thrown into prison, decide to help a bunch of guys out, and then they forget me and leave me there. Like, when you look on the surface at his defining moments before, he, before you realize it in the grand story of God's plan and how he can redeem every single one of those, those defining moments feel like I'm, I'm lost, I'm forgotten, God doesn't know, God doesn't care, and it's always going to be this way. And yet God stepped into every broken piece of Joseph's life, and Joseph will later say to his brothers when he meets him, what you meant for evil, God has taken and used for good. So there's parts of your life, listen to me, that some of you in this room, they're very real, they're very painful, that you've got to hand over to the master and go, God, I can't hold these myself. But there's good moments too. There's good defining moments. There's moments where you stood up for the right things. Later in Exodus chapter 2, we see Moses right after his moment of brokenness. This is what it says, and um, I'm going to read it to you from chapter 2. He says, when Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. The priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water from the water troughs for the father's flocks. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up, rescued the girls from the shepherds, and then he drew water from their flocks. Even in the midst of his brokenness, he knew his purpose was to help rescue other people. See, even in the midst of some of your, your, your brokenness and things you've done, there's still been the echo of what God has placed in your life. But this is what we've seen in every step of the journey. Everywhere you go, there's always two voices, the voice of God, the voice of the enemy. The enemy wants to assign labels. He wants you to identify with who you were and what you've done. But God says, I want to take your worst mistake. I want, you to take, I want to take what you think is unusable and I want you to use it. For my glory. And he often does this, though, through stretching. I want you to think about where stretching has happened in your life. It says, Moses was afraid, asking, everyone knows what he did. And sure enough, the Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh, and he went to live in the land of Midian. Moses went to the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus, before entering ministry, went into the wilderness for 40 days. Both of them entered wilderness ever before beginning their ministry. There's something about the wilderness that brought preparation for what God had in store. And some of you, you feel like you've been in the wilderness for a long time. Those places where it just feels like you're just being stretched. 
Sometimes it can feel painful. Sometimes it can leave you going, God, where are you in this? Like something had to tell me, like the picture I get is as Moses is just leading a bunch of sheep around. Like at some point, I think he had to go, I really thought I was going to do something other than this with my life. (laughs) Right. Like, come on. Right. He, He was like, I feel like God has like led me to lead my people out of Israel. I make a huge mistake and now I'm dealing with whatever he is named to this one, Jed. Right. He's like, Jed, come on. You're, you're the dumb one that always tries to jump off the cliff. Like, I got to stop you every time. Like, like there's got to be a level of frustration. But what he didn't realize is that God was stretching him with some of the most obstinate animals because he was about to lead some of the most obstinate people. Some of you, the stretching you're in right now, you can't even see it, but God has an incredible plan for it. If you will but trust it to his hands. Again, there's two voices. The enemy goes, you're forgotten, you're abandoned, God's not doing anything, and you're never going to amount to anything. God says, I'm with you. I'm with you, and I'm working towards your good and my glory, and nothing in this season is wasted. The importance of stretching is that many a person will owe the greatest things in their life to the stretching that God allowed to happen. So there's those defining moments, there's the stretching, but then also there's just the uniqueness of who you are that makes up your individual uniqueness. Verse 10 says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that God has created you uniquely you? Right? Have you noticed the difference between you and some of your best friends or your spouse? Have you noticed that many times opposites attract? And like, There's moments that you look at them and you're like, and they're looking at you the same way going like, what is wrong with this man? Like, I I swear, I think my wife sometimes goes like, (laughs) but listen to me. There are certain aspects that God has placed inside you that he's wanting to use for his purpose and for his glory. Listen, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you're loud or quiet, whether you're funny or serious, adventurous or cautious, Don't be ashamed of who you are or disappointed because he didn't make you in some other way. He's placed that there uniquely to be used for his glory. Moses was a child of Israel and Egypt. He could speak both languages. He understood both cultures. He had a passion to see God's people be delivered. He was rescued in a time where almost everyone else's age that was a boy would have been destroyed. He watched what would have been the families around him mourn for the people that were his same age that were brutally killed at the moment of birth. He was uniquely placed at such a time as this. And so are give you my own life as an example. This should not surprise anyone. I was a little bit hyper as a kid. Um, I've always liked to talk and tell stories. Um, there's a sense of my life that, like, I, I love fun and adventure. Like, I, as soon as, like, anyone's like, hey, you want to go do something stupid? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> you know, it, like, there, there's that, like, passion that's inside me to always be doing something. Um, I, and... I think of even like in my high school days, I watched, I went to a, um, a, a private school, it was a Christian school, and I watched almost every single one of my friends walk away from the faith. And it birthed in me a passion to see people who were far from God brought near. I've got four kids. 
I've got a passion to see families grow and follow God. Listen to me, every step of the way, I didn't even realize that, that God was still preparing me for ministry. There are certain aspects of your personality that God has uniquely placed there that for years you've been like, oh, I wish that wasn't true of me. And God's like, that's one of the best things I've gave you. Do you realize that you are uniquely made to fulfill a person? Listen, the enemy wants either that hidden, he wants it hidden and not drawn out. He wants these unique things that God's put in you to be hidden. There are things in your life the enemy has pleaded with you to keep hidden. Moses goes, God, uh, you can't use me. I'm terrible at talking. You know what God's response to him was? Last time I check, I created your mouth. Like seriously, there's things God has placed in you. There's gifts, there's passions, there's personality. There's certain things that's like a, a holy passion that like when you see that specific injustice being done, ooh, there's a fire that burns inside you. That was placed there by holy God to be used for his purpose and for his passion and for his glory. There, there's, there's certain giftings that he, and, and some of it, you've minimized that going like, well, it's not really that big of a deal because it's not that gift. Really? I don't care how small you think that is. That gift is vital and important. There's people that like, you know, they'll be like, oh, well, I could never get up there and preach. Cool, I can't do what you do. There's tons of things that like, some of you have the gift of hospitality that anybody who walks into your home, they're like, they feel like family, right? Some of you, you have the gift of like gab. You can talk to anyone. I'm being serious. Like, anywhere you go, I think of Kip. Kip's, like, one of the greatest examples of this. Kip Hornbaker, I can go anywhere with him in this city, and, like, we will bump into someone who knows him. Right? That, that's an incredible gift that God has placed in him and that God is using through him. Right? And, and that's what I want you to realize is that there is things that God has uniquely placed inside you. Some gifts you've always had, but some gifts come at salvation. But there's always two voices. There's the enemy. He challenges you to puff up with pride to go, look how good I am and what gift I have. Really? Did you create it? What role did you have in the process of you coming into being? Zero. God placed it there. Or he will try to minimize or demean it and attempt you to hide it. But God goes, I'm the giver of every good and perfect gift. I formed you, I made you, I, I crafted you in the womb. I made you on purpose as unique in a very special way. So I, we need to understand what it's going to take, and I'm going to have to move quickly here to step into your unique identity. First, it's going to take surrender. It's going to take surrender to the shaping, the convicting, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then number two, and this is important, we're going to talk more about this next week. So if this lands home, please do not miss. Listen. If you're going to step into your unique identity, it's time for you to, tr to quit trying to be someone else. You will never understand, live in, and be all that God has called you to be if you're busy trying to live somebody else's story. And you will do a poor job of it. Self-hate, comparison, and coveting are all accusations against God. They're saying, God, I could have done a better job. 
self-hate, comparison, and coveting are all accusations against God. We have to quit trying to be someone else. There's parts of you that you might feel as insignificant when you compare them to other people, but can I please let you in on something? That is the voice of the enemy speaking. You have to embrace who God has called you to be. And then thirdly, you need to choose forgiveness. Forgiveness towards those you have, who have hurt you, but also forgiveness towards yourself to those you've wronged. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, he was part of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. And the goal of this commission was to bring healing to the nation after the atrocities of apartheid. When he was asked what kind of people he wanted to serve on that commission, I want you to listen very carefully to what he said. He said, I want victims. He said, I wanted those lives who have been torn apart I want those who have been raped. I want those who have seen their parents killed. And I want those who have seen their homes be burned to the ground. He said, but they cannot be people who stayed victims. He said, if they're going to serve on the commission, they must be people who have forgiven their oppressors. Listen to what he says. He says, these people will be the wounded healers of South Africa. Listen to that. These people will be the wounded healers healers of South Africa. If there's not a better description for what a Christian should be, it's that. We're to be the wounded healers of this world because we follow the wounded healer. So what is the purpose of your uniqueness? Right? What's the purpose of your uniqueness? We are, verse 10, we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Listen to me. The purpose of your uniqueness is not for Josh Johnson 2.0 or whatever your name is. God is not like going, hey, I'm really working hard so that you can be a better version of yourself. That's a lot of what Christianity is today, though. It's let me refine me, let me chip at the edges to create a more polished, better version. And what happens is is we get so central focused. I'm thinking of me, and how can I change me? And how can I do this? And how can I be better in this area? And how can I show? And what we don't even realize is all we've done is we've taken our gaze and we've looked at ourselves and we forgot to look up at the outside world. Listen to me. He said, I've created you as a masterpiece Why? To do the good things that I've planned for you from long ago. His masterpiece is designed to reveal and display his goodness and his glory. The beauty of the gospel is not just saving power of grace, mercy, kindness, and forgiveness to cover our sins. It's that grace, mercy, kindness, and forgiveness empowers us towards transformation and victory. God works good things that he planned long ago. Listen to me. God did not create your uniqueness so that you could be successful based on the standards of this world. I say this to my kids every night whenever I put them down to sleep and I pray over them. I say, I want you to know, and I pray this to every one of my kids, that dad's greatest desire for your life is not some job that you're going to have and not some version of success that our culture has said. My greatest desire is that you would love Jesus and display him to this world. God wants to create you into a masterpiece that reveals his glory everywhere you go. Therefore, 
Coasting and sitting on the sidelines is nowhere in the mind of God. It's not allowed. No one takes the Mona Lisa off the pedestal, puts it into a cardboard box, and sticks it in the museum basement. Right? But if you choose the sidelines, that's what you're doing. If you say ministry and being used by God is for those people, you're literally saying, God, let's take the masterpiece down, let's stick it in the cardboard box, and let's put it in the basement of the museum. So the question we end with this is, what do we do now? You need to realize there is a purpose, there is a need, and there is a people that God has created you for. He's empowered you to meet and to impact. God says to Moses, I've heard the cry of my people, and now I am acting. But how did God act? (laughs) He said, I'm responding to their heart. I'm responding to their cry. I'm responding to the pain that I've seen them. I'm responding to the abuse that they've been through. Moses, I'm responding. Now you go. such a time as this. There's a reason in 2022 you're sitting in the chair you're at right now. And not in some other chair in 1919. Or in 1847. Or in 1654. You were created for this day. God has placed you here. There's people in your family that will never know about Jesus if it doesn't come from your mouth. There's people at your work who will never know about Jesus if it doesn't come through your mouth and seen through your life. There's people that God has destined and called you to impact that they're going to taste and see that the Lord is good because they're going to see it through the uniqueness of your life. There's spheres of influence that you move in that no one else even remotely ends. It might be because of a gift that you have. It might be because you can play guitar like Red and like Kip or or like Pam. Maybe it's because you have no musical talent and you're like me, (laughs) right? That was one of the best gifts that God ever gave me. I attempted, the band director looked at me and he said, sir, get out of my classroom. I couldn't keep a beat. I can't clap on beat. Don't ever try to clap watching your pastor in church. You will be off, people, okay? I don't have that gifting, and that was a good thing for me to learn so that I could step into my gifting. So my question to you is this, is what has God placed inside you that he's wanting to draw out? And who has God placed you in that he's wanting to use you for? Listen to me. You've heard me say this since week one. I am praying for a church that punches the devil in the mouth. I'm praying for a church where every single person says, no, no, no. I refuse to sit on the sidelines. I refuse to be some casual bystander. God has called me. He has commissioned me. He has placed me here for such a time as this. And I will leverage my life for the sake of the kingdom because I am a masterpiece. Not in and of myself. I am a piece of the master. And so that through my life, the master can be seen. So the question is this, what has God placed inside you? Or maybe another question for you is this, where have you tried to be someone that you're not? 
Where have you looked at your life and somebody else's life and you've compared the two and it's led you to go, ah, I'm just not that good. If you try to be them, listen to me, the rest of your life you're not going to be good because God didn't create you to be them, did he? He created you to be you. So who has he called you to be? What is he drawing out of you? And who is he calling you to? Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I pray for every person in this room. I pray that, God, we would be people who step into what you've called us to be. That we'd be people who pursue you with every part of our whole life. Lord, there's parts of our story that we wish we could rewrite, but Lord, you have no intention of doing. You have the intention of redeeming and restoring. May we hand those over to you. Lord, in any area that we have tried to compare ourselves to someone else or be someone else, Lord, we repent of that today and instead we say, God, would you take this life that you've created and would you leverage it for the sake of your great name? God, I want to be a part of a church that pushes back darkness so that lives are changed and stories are altered as people encounter you, Jesus. So Lord, we... We want to seek your face. We want to pursue you. And Lord, we want to get in the game. Help us to do that very thing we ask in your precious and holy name. Amen. In just a second, Grady's going to come up and bring us to a close. But before that, I want to leave you with one final thought. Quit wishing, start doing. To any person who's wanting to lose weight, what do you tell them? Quit having just the intention and take the five steps to get into the gym. To the person who's wanting to be more financially stable, quit spending, start saving. It takes an action. Some of you are like, you know what? I, I really wish that like I could grow in my prayer life. Cool, start praying. I wish I had grown God's in the knowledge of God's word. Start reading. I I, I wish that I could be. Start doing it. Whatever that is, start doing it. And we're going to talk more about this next week. We're going to talk about growing into our identity and what, what things are there to help us do that. But can I just challenge you this week? Just do something. It doesn't have to be a massive thing or a big thing. Just do something. But let's be people who are about saying, God, would you use this life for the sake of your glory? Let Jesus be seen.